are you approaching your real estate investing business as a business? And is it providing you with a river of income? You've heard of the term uh, multiple streams of income, but I'd certainly never heard the term river of income. And our guest today, Dustin Heiner, talks about that. Yeah, I want to do what Dustin's done. I want to find that freedom. I want to quit the nine to five, dump my job. What's your best advice? It would say, I would say find passive income. Like literally, that's the best thing you can do. If you figure out anyway, writing a song, you know, writing a book, um, whatever it is to find passive income, because what happens is once you like when I quit my job at 37 years old, I had so much time to build more businesses. Now I literally have like four or five businesses making me money, creating another one, like the real estate uh, conference that I told you about, um, the real estate wealth builders conference. I am building that too, because I have so much time. So find passive income because that allows you more time to be with your family, travel the world, build more businesses, make more money, serve more people. Dustin Heiner is the rental property expert and founder of masterpassiveincome.com and became successfully unemployed at 37 years old, investing in real estate rental properties. And he's now on a mission to help everyone to quit their job and never have a job again. And he helps students build successful real estate investing businesses all over the country and actually uh, internationally now as well. I really enjoyed talking with Dustin. Uh, he talks about how he started Master Passive Income from his home in 2015, still while being fully employed and married with four children and owning and operating two other businesses. Um, but he really did figure out that from there, he was a full-time investor, even though his income was not coming from investing in real estate at that time. And he wrote his first book, How to Quit Your Job with Rental Properties in 2015, which quickly became a bestseller. And from there began his new business, helping others to invest in rental properties to quit their J-O-B. Uh, please join me in welcoming Dustin Heiner. You're listening to the REI Branded Podcast, helping you build your real estate personal buyer. If you want to stand out from the crowd, attract the right leads, right partners, and right clients every time, you're in the right place. My name is Paul Copcutter, and each week we'll be looking to decode and uncover what makes you, the real estate business owner, brandtastic. Each episode is intended to be valuable, cut to the chase, and actionable, so you can spend less time marketing your business and still get the results you want. Thank you for listening. Now let's get to work on making you brandtastic. So welcome, Dustin. And uh, I, it was interesting. I was looking at your background and you kind of interestingly kind of approached this whole life of real estate investing from a, a what I would call kind of reverse engineering because you kind of looked at your life first and said, what do I want life to look like? And then kind of went out to look for the vehicles that were going to do that for you. So tell us a little bit about how that came about and how, how you got started and, and, and where that's kind of led to now. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show, Paul. I'm really pumped to be here. And uh, yeah, so I, I guess growing up, I was always told, and a lot of us, as we go to school, we're definitely told to go to school, get good grades, then go to college, then get a career, then retire when you're 65, 70 years old, your life's almost over and go that route. And so I was literally going that route. And I got a regular job working for, um, actually, let me take a quick step back. So all that time, but being taught that, I always had the idea of being entrepreneurial, starting a business or 
being my own boss. And so over the years growing up, I had, I even had a paper route. That's where you, know, you get newspapers right on your bike and you throw the papers and hit garage doors and bang it really loud at like 5 a.m. So I was doing that. Then I also started a number of other businesses, like a graphic and website design company, a skateboard manufacturing business, a convenience store and a pizzeria. And I was always entrepreneurial, but I always knew I could count on my nine to five job. And so I'll let me tell you a quick story of how I got catapulted into becoming an investor. So I was working a nine to five job. I was working for the county, a county government in California, just doing IT work or technology work. And at the same time, I'm still starting businesses, trying to make extra money because I love the term job for job, you know, J O B is just overbroke because your your boss is just paying you enough to keep you working without quitting, but not so much money that takes money out of their pocket. And so I'm working this J O B and I'm working nine to five desk job, working regular hours. And then my wife and I start having kids. And this is the story that literally catapulted me into becoming an investor. So after my wife had her fourth child or our fourth child, I go on paternity leave. Now, remember, I'm working a regular, you know, working for the county, working for the government there in California. And I go on paternity leave. That's where the dad stays home for about a week or two to stay home with the mom, changing poopy diapers and, you know, being there for mommy to help her out. And so I go on leave, but then I come back. And the week I get back, I'm back to work. And I get a call from my boss's, boss's, boss's secretary. And this is a Friday at 3.30 in the afternoon. And the boss's secretary says, Dustin, would you please come to the boss's office? And I said, sure. And I hung up the phone and I paused for a second. And as I was sitting there in my chair, I thought to myself, why would they be calling me to his office? This, this isn't normal. This is weird. And as I'm sitting there, I started remembering back a couple months before I went on paternity leave, there was some rumors or some like rumblings going on that there could potentially be layoffs in the county because there were cutbacks and not enough money and probably furloughs and all that sort of stuff. And I sat there and I, I immediately shook it off because it's like, you know, I have so much seniority. Like I, my bosses know I do a great job. I get raises all the time, get great reviews. There's no way I'm going to get laid off. So I get up and I start walking down the hallway to my boss's office. Now, this hallway, Paul, isn't very long, but every step that I take, the idea dawns on me or really starts weighing on me that I could potentially get laid off. This is a Friday at 3.30 in the afternoon. This is weird. And as I'm walking out of the hallway, it feels like the hallway gets longer and longer. And each one of my steps feel like my feet are turning into lead bricks as I'm walking down the hallway. And because just the weight of everything starting to come on my shoulders. Well, I get down the hallway and I turn the corner to my boss's office and his door is closed, but his secretary is right there. Sweet, nice, nice lady, older lady. Uh, she looks at me and sheepishly, she says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? And I say, sure. And I go and sit down in the chair and she's consoling me with her eyes, you know, smiling, kind of nodding at me because she knows everything about what's going on. I know nothing right. of what's going on. And as I'm sitting there in a chair, I start thinking about my wife and I start thinking about my four kids. And I think about all these years that I've worked toward this quote unquote career. And as I'm sitting, I start, well, if this gets taken away from me, all those years are just a waste. And then what does that make me as a father? Does that make me a failure as a father? Does that make me a failure as a husband, as a man providing for his family? And so as I'm sitting there, all this stuff is just crushing in on me. My hands get all clammy. My forehead gets all sweaty because the everything, like I'm just getting so anxious. And then the door to my boss's office opens up and out walks a lady with a piece of paper in her hand. She's a coworker of mine. 
She has a piece of paper in her hand. She's noticeably distraught, noticeably upset. She's not necessarily crying, but you can tell her world has literally been rocked. And as she walks by me, my boss says, Dustin, would you please come into my office? So I get up and I walk into his office and I get laid off. And remember, this is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off for the government, but I did. And so as I take that piece of paper, I start, I walk back down that short you know, hallway that felt long, walk down that hallway, sat back down at my desk. And I sat there and I realized two things right then and there, Paul. Number one, I realized, well, I got to get another job. <laughs> I need to be able to put a roof over my family's head, put food on the table, be able to provide for my family. So I was really, really blessed to be able to find another job in the county, the same county, but a whole different department. They didn't, you know, we're having budget issues. And so I was really blessed. Didn't even get laid off. I just transferred, which was such a blessing. Took care of that check. Now, the second thing, as I'm sitting there in my chair, I am telling, I realize that I need to tell myself now that I need to never, ever let this happen to me again. And I need to make sure that nobody has the power over me to be able to rip out the ability to provide for my family without me having the um, independence to be able to take care of them. So then and there, sitting there right then and there, Paul, I realized even though I, so I had bought like one, maybe two rental properties, but I was doing other businesses. I was doing lots of other stuff, but almost like turning my wheels. But right then and there, because I knew my world is rocked, I am now an investor because everybody listening to this or watching this, you need to realize that your value is so much more than anybody can ever pay you. Like I said at the beginning, your boss is only paying you just enough to keep you working without quitting, but not so much that's taking money out of their pocket. So as soon as you realize that your value is so much more, then the world opens up to you to see, oh my goodness, I can make so much more money. Now, let me fast forward the story and round it out by saying, sharing that I went to work at this another county department. And from that point forward, I told myself I am an investor. So anytime anybody ever asked me the question, this is what they would ask, Dustin, what do you do? They're basically asking you when they ask you that and asking me, what value do you put on yourself? And I wouldn't always answer, well, yeah, I work for the county. I do IT work at the county. From that point forward, I said, I'm never going to say that again because my value comes from my God. It's from myself and my family. I said, I am an investor. So that day forward, I started telling everybody that I was an investor. Even though I had a job, I would call that my part-time job. Even though 100% of my money came from that part-time job, I'm a full-time investor. So from that point forward, bought property after property, eventually had 30 plus properties, didn't need to work. And I realized, even though I'm making $75,000 a year here at this quote unquote career, and obviously we know it can be taken away at any time, I'm losing money. So I walked into my new boss's office, great boss and everything, but I metaphorically gave him his two weeks notice. I said, hey, your boss, you're laid off. And he looked at me and he said, Dustin, what are you going to be doing? I said, I don't have to do anything. I literally have real estate. It runs on its own. I don't do anything. I have other people run the business and I'm going to leave. So round out the story by I left that last day of work and it was downtown Fresno. Fresno was the, the county where I was working at. And I didn't want to pay for parking pretty frugal. So I'd walk a mile and a half every single day to and from work. This was the best walk of my life. You remember when I was walking to my boss's office, that short hallway, they got longer and longer. This one was a mile and a half. I felt like I was walking on clouds because I knew I would never, ever need a job again because I had enough properties bringing me enough money and passive income, took care of my expenses, made sure that I had money for fun and exciting things and, and to grow my business. So I know there's probably a lot of questions you have, but that's how that's what catapulted me. And everybody needs to realize that your value is so much more than anybody can ever pay you. And I'm, that's a great story. And I'm sure that as you were making that 
well, you didn't really kind of make that transition. It was a mindset that you said, okay, that's it. I'm full-time investor. There was probably still times after that where you potentially struggled or you questioned going in that direction. Were you able to go back to that sweaty palms feeling that kind of drove you? Or was there other things in your life that you thought, okay, that this is the reason why? I mean, we often hear people say, choose your why. Um, is there something there that you know continued to drive you going forward? Yeah, that, I love that question. And I would say it's a combination. The, the catapulting, the, 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 um, the impetus for me to quit my job by making sure that I had uh, investment properties was absolutely like that really pushed me. But before that, take a quick step before that, I literally just realized that I, as a the wealth of a human being, I make more money if I do my own thing. Like the value, I don't want to get paid one hour for you know, work one hour and get paid for that one hour. In fact, that's if you do that your entire life, eventually your, your hours are gone and you can't do that. So I started, at, I know we're going to get to a question, but a big question that I love is a, a book that I read. And we'll get to that in just a minute. But the book talks about passive income. And that I figured out that there's a way to not work one hour and get paid for one hour that I could work one time and get paid over and over and over again. I said, if I can do that, then I won't need to have a job. So really my why was obviously to provide for my family, but you know, you can work a job, you can do something like that. But my number one why was I wanted to quit working for somebody else. I love the term successfully unemployed. I'm not unemployable. Some people like the, the term unemployable. No, in fact, I would work for Warren Buffett. I would pay him money to work for him because of all the knowledge, experience, networking I would get just from working with Warren Buffett. Now, I'm not unemployable, but I'm successfully unemployed because I figured out a way to, like, I, my goal was to not work for other people, to be self, like, basically independent, self-assured so that I can get everything done for all my family without somebody else. And so that was the big why, overarching before I was getting laid off. That's why I was entrepreneurial. That's why I bought one property. That's why I started doing it was I had my why was to basically not work for somebody else and be able to have as much money and time to do whatever I want with it. And do you think the exposure that you had early on as an entrepreneur, skateboards, all the other things, your convenience store, all those other things, did that help you kind of push those to the side and say, yeah, that's great, but there's still that risk of hour for hour exchange versus real estate being the vehicle that you thought, okay, that is going to make the difference. You are 100%. And there's two things about that. Number one, I learned business. I learned how to build a business and make sure that in my real estate business, it's not, and I could definitely walk you through how I do it, how I teach all the people, like how I built my business. But in learning how to run a business, see, a lot of people go in and they buy their first property and they think that property is a business. No, that property is a piece of inventory. We can get into that in just a minute. But that was what that helped me to build a business in real estate where, and get this, Paul, I don't like it, A lot of people have read the book, Four Hour Work Week. Well, in my opinion, for, working four hours a week is for suckers. I don't work 30 minutes a week. I basically maybe work 30 minutes a month by looking at my property management statements and making sure everything looks good and put it aside and go play, back and play with my kids. And so, because I built in my business where it runs on its own, it runs automatically. Then, because like I said, for the businesses that I started, I realized that I could set up a business to have it run on its own. And then as I did that, then I literally have free time. But another, on top of that, I also realized, and you had a great point, is that if I had my convenience store or my skateboard manufacturing company, 
instead of having one boss that was paying me an entire salary, I was trading one boss for many bosses. If I don't sell that next skateboard, I don't make money. If I don't get next next customer to buy, you know, a candy bar, I don't make money. So I had many bosses essentially. I didn't got to cater to them. And so now changed it, completely changed it to where now I'm getting paid because I worked one time with his passive income, worked one time and then continually make money over and over again. Like I say, if I buy one rental property, that makes me $250 a month. And this was my goal from the very beginning. I made sure I was going to be making passive income because I said, if I'm going to buy this property, I want to be able to live off the profits and scale the business to grow to where I didn't need to work. So if you buy one property, that makes you $250 a month in passive income. And then you say, wow, in one year, that's $3,000 a year in passive income. If you buy 10 properties, you just economy to scale, you start growing up 10 properties, that's $2,500 a month. That is $30,000 a year in passive income. 20 properties is $5,000 a month. That's $60,000 a year. And you can just keep scaling it up from there. And what you're doing is you're putting in all the profits beforehand. So you know you're going to make money before you even buy the property. But yes, having those other businesses really helped me to learn I need passive income and I need to create systems and processes that make the business run on its own. That was going to be a question. The systems, the processes, is that what has enabled you to scale? I mean, have you and have you done this yourself or do you have partners or what's the, the setup so, of your business? Yes, I, it's 100% the reason why I'm able to scale and other people who are like, maybe just you would call them like mom and pop landlords or people that have one or two properties. The reason why I can scale is because I set up a business. And let me show you what a business looks like. Oh, I'll quickly answer your last question. Um, no, I don't have partners. In fact, I'm old enough now and I've had other partners and other businesses that I realize I do like 100% of the work, but I get half the profits and 100% of the liability. So I just like, I'm not, no more, no more partners anymore, but I do take investors. If somebody wants to lend me money, I'll take their money, give them a good return and buy properties. But by no means do I take them on as partners. Now, getting back to building the business and making sure that it's automated. Now, let me give you an example of what that looks like for my business. If you're going to start a convenience store, now a convenience store, you know, you go in there, grab a soda and candy bars and stuff like that. That's a convenience store. Now, if you're going to start one of those, you're not going to sign a lease for a location, open the doors and set a box of candy bars in on the floor. No, you would go out of business in two seconds if you did that. But what you would do is you'd get the gondolas. Those are the shelving units that the candy bars sit on. You get countertops, fountain machines, cold storage, you know, cash registers, bank accounts, employees, insurance, all of that stuff set up before you buy any inventory. Same thing in real estate. We build the entire business to make sure that it runs on its own. And then we buy inventory. Now, a lot of people who are going to be teaching you how to invest in real estate, they're going to say, well, you buy a property and that's your business. No, that's wrong. In fact, they also teach you something backwards. And I'll, this is exactly what I'm talking about when you build a business. They'll say, if you're going to invest in real estate, do this. Find a property. Then you run the numbers to make sure you're going to make it $50 or $100 a month in passive income, but you're going to get appreciation. You're going to get this, that, and the other. Then you fix it up. You find somebody to fix it up. Then you find somebody to, to rent it out. Then you find a property manager. Well, in my opinion, that's literally just about backwards. We don't do it that way. In fact, a lot of students that come to me that I coach, they say, hey, Dustin, I found like five realtors. They're sending me properties. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you build the business first? Did you find a property manager first? Did you find insurance first? Did you do anything first to make sure that these deals are actually going to be good? And rounding back out to the convenience store analogy to this is when we build the business, we find the, the property managers. Like realtors, realtors are, in my opinion, they're last because we need deals last. 
first, we got to build the business to run on its own. Property managers, inspectors, roofers, plumbers, insurance, uh, all these other things in the business, even mortgages. Like we have to get all that stuff before we can even look at any deals. Now, we will look at deals to make sure that there are deals in that area. So give you an example. If you're going to invest in a specific city, you're not going to pick a city that has one house in it and hope to run a business. No, that's one piece of inventory. Like you're not going to open a convenience store and only be able to buy one candy bar. No, that would just be silly. Well, instead what you would do, it was you would look in a city because we invest all over the country. I love investing out of state. I invest in Ohio, Texas, and Arizona. And I have students literally investing all over the country. But what we do is we look for inventory first in a city, making sure there's plenty of properties that we would want to buy that are in the right price range, that have a good rent amount, all that sort of stuff. Once we know that it has good inventory, then we pause looking at the properties. Then we jump into building the business. The biggest key to your business is your manager. Any business is your manager. Your property manager is your manager, making sure that you're making money, making sure that you're protected, making sure that you're doing things right, not breaking the law. And so what we do is we build the business, finding all these people in the business first, then we go out and get properties, which is our inventory. So your business is your business. Your property is your inventory. And that's how we scale because we have the business set up. All we got to do then is find another property. We buy as a piece of inventory and we put that into the business. Does that help when you're talking about out of state? I think a lot of people are fearful of investing out of state or out of province, but your system kind of really puts it all in place for you before you've even had to worry about, are you going to find you know, five properties, 10 properties, 20 properties? It's more about having that business in place first, and then it doesn't matter where that business is as long as you've done your homework on the, the inventory. You're you're 100 right. I got students in Canada. I have students in like Switzerland. Um, what's another Israel? I have students all over the even outside of America that are either investing in their areas or investing in America. And what I'm really teaching, what I love to teach, is the principles how to do this business well. Now, here's the great thing: like if somebody from Canada wants to invest in America, well, they don't come to me and say, Dustin, you're an expert in every single state, every single city in America. Because I'm not, I'm literally not. Even in the cities that I already invest, I have you know lots and lots of properties. Even though I'm an investor there, I am not the expert. Who are the experts though? Those are the people on the ground. The property managers are literally the experts. Your realtors are the experts. The wholesalers, your inspectors, like they are the experts. They've seen it all. In fact, when you hire a good property manager, this is probably what's going to happen. They're going to have a few other properties, hopefully, you know, 10, 20, 30, 100 other properties. And this is a great question you're going to ask. Hey, property manager, how much can I rent this property for? And they're going to say, oh, okay, this is the address. Well, man, I have a property literally right around the corner. Same size, same everything. And it's renting for this much. I tried to get this much, but I couldn't. So we had to lower it here. You know how much you're going to get for that property. You're not even guessing. Databases like Zillow's not an expert. We know that. Realtors aren't bad. But the property managers, the one that are actually doing the renting and getting the money coming in and out, they're the experts. And so when you're investing far away from you, like I never, in fact, all the 30 plus properties that I, <laughs> that I own, I've only seen one of them before I bought it. And so like literally, I don't even go, I don't even care to go to these states that they're my properties are. The reason why, it's a business. And if you build the business right, you hire, and remember, you're building a business. You're not just going to find anybody that has a pulse and says they're a property manager. Okay, you're, you can do it. I did that. I did it wrong. Um, my property manager started stealing from me within like six months. It was horrible. 
then I actually had to learn how to hire and actually get the right people in place, which now I've implemented in my business and teach everybody how to do that as well. But as we're doing that, we have solid people working for us. And more than more likely not, I don't even talk to my property managers for like months at a time, which is great because I put in systems and business rules and processes that they follow. And so because of that, I scale the business. I literally don't even think about my rental properties other than actually, well, I'll kind of show you, maybe hide a little bit. Anyways, here's a check. I just got one from, from my one of my property managers. Usually, so this one property manager, he's more uh, uh, old school. So he sends checks, but now it's all digital. But my old school uh, property manager, he sends checks. I literally got $2,000 from one property. I was like, hey, well, praise the Lord. I got extra money today because he did all the work. I didn't even know I was going to get it. And I get a check in the mail. So because you set the business, you don't view your property as a business. It's a piece of inventory. Then you can scale the business and you don't even worry about it because you hired the right people and giving them the rules and processes to proceed further. So you've probably seen real estate investors who get involved and then they get to two, three, four, maybe five houses, and they want to stop. What What would you advise to people in that situation? Is that the right thing to do? You know, or yeah, why why wouldn't well, they want to scale? So. Yeah, so it depends on if the person wants to continue. Now, let's. I'm going to assume that they want to continue. I'm going to actually even just share that if you have four or five properties, you just need to make. A few, a few, a good amount of tweaks in your business. If you're getting fed up, like, oh my goodness, I can't handle tenants, blah, blah, blah. If you're, you're getting frustrated, talk to me. I'll literally show you how to make it automated and grow your business without you even thinking. So let's just assume this person is, because hopefully I got them over the hurdle. Say, yes, you can do it. We can make it to where it's automated. But let's assume they're over that hurdle and they say, you know what? I want to now scale, but man, my goodness, it takes up so much work. As I'm in, you know, encouraging people, showing them how to, build the business, once they get to four or five properties, they realize, at least my students, they realize this is so easy. Now, when they say easy, it's because they've done all the work. The plan is simple. Here's the thing. I'm not that smart. Most likely everybody listening to this and watching this are much smarter than I am, but it really comes down to this. If you're going to scale your business, you need to buy the right properties and you need to make money in passive income. So here's a really fun thing. I love to share this. I just want to stop a second and ask you about your web presence. You know that people are going to Google and check you out online if they want to do business with you. And so it's incredibly important that you have a reliable, secure hosting web service and a stable hosting plan that provides fast site speed. And if you're installing a website for the first time, a nice, easy-to-use, secure, one-click system to install WordPress. That's why I recommend and use Bluehost, which powers more than 2 million websites online and is the number one recommended hosting provider by WordPress. It's got 24-7 support, which is really good, free security certificates, and a free domain name registration. Uh, Bluehost web hosting is a powerhouse. If you'd like to get a special offer through this podcast, go to the show notes from this episode, click on the Bluehost uh, image or link, and they'll take you straight there to get a special offer. Now back to the show. I don't pay my taxes. I don't pay my insurance. I don't pay my property manager. I don't pay for rehab, you know, fixing the toilets. I don't pay for any of that stuff. My tenants pay 
for all of that. Like, I don't need to get a job to pay for my property manager because a lot of people who get to four or five properties that actually get to the point where like, oh man, this is so hard. I can't do this. I just, I want to get rid of them or I'm done. It's because they didn't realize that before you buy the property, you build the entire business. I account for all those expenses. Now, here's how it looks out. And it's really, really simple. Like I said, I'm not that smart, but it takes addition, subtraction, and a little bit of multiplication. Addition, you just add up all your expenses. You ask your insurance broker, hey, how much is insurance? There, there, check, I know how much that is. You go to the title company, you say, how much is taxes gonna be? Check, go to your mortgage. I know how much my mortgage is, check. Property manager, 10%. You know exactly what your expenses are. So you add those up, you get a total, that's your expense. Then you talk to your property manager. Property manager, how much can I rent this property for? Like, oh, great. You know, more than likely you can rent it for $1,300. Let's say your expenses are $1,000, but you could rent it for $1,300. That difference of $300, that's literally passive income. That's with taxes paid for, property manager paid for. Because a lot of people say, oh man, Dustin, I can't afford a property manager. I'm like, honestly, you're not going to like this. That was your fault when you bought the property. When we buy the property from the very beginning, we make sure that expense of a property manager is paid for by the tenant or we don't buy the property. And on top of that, we make that $250 or $300 a month in passive income. So when I started investing in 2006, I bought property after property. Now those properties are literally almost double in the amount of rent that I make from each one of those properties. So you can scale the business even better once you build the business and not view every property as a business. It's a piece of inventory that goes into your full business that holds all that inventory. Hmm. And what about the, the branding and the marketing of a real estate business? What are the things that people need to consider? What did you do? What, what, what are the lessons you've learned from doing it yourself? And what do you advise people do? Yeah. So for branding and marketing, I rely on my property manager. So I heavily bet, heavily, heavily bet. Now my business, most likely every single one of the people that live in my property, they have no clue about my business. Now they go to the tax records. They'll see my company name on there because I have them in the company. But as far as branding for me, I rely on realtors and property managers on their branding. So I look at what they do. Do they have a good site that actually has properties for rent on there? Do they? Does it look like it's built back in the 90s? If it does, then more than likely the people nowadays, you know, in, in I say 2022, they're not going to want to rent there because they're like, oh man, how good can it be? They can't even take care of their site, especially younger people nowadays. So what I look for is the branding of my realtor. So knowing that they're working for a reputable company, they have a good presence online, colors look you know nice and decent. Basically, here's the biggest thing for me with branding. I love branding, but at the same time, branding in a, in a loan isn't going to you know make money. It I want my branding for people to see that and then say, that looks good in a sense, but not detract from, I love the brand as opposed to, I love the product. I love the ultimate thing of getting a property. So if my uh, property manager has a horrible website, that's a deterrent. If they have the best website that looks like it's like, it, I can't get past that. Like this is for rich, rich people. That's another hindrance. So I like it to be where a brand for my property managers and my realtors are ones that help people to get past the brand into renting a property from me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Definitely. And what about what about your own business now as as a, a coach and everything? How how has that changed? What are you doing now? Um, oh yeah, the... totally different. So yeah, totally different. So I have master passive income. Branding is huge. 
Definitely huge. And making sure that every the colors look right. So masterpassiveincome.com, I have the podcast and YouTube channel, making sure everything blends together. But here's the big thing for what I do as far as coaching and teaching people, even just having a YouTube channel, you want to make sure, at least this is what I do, make sure everything looks very, not similar, but you, they can tell that this is master passive income brand or a different brand, whatever your brand is, that it flows really, really well together. Because when you look at if you have a website, if you have a book, if you have a podcast, if you have a YouTube channel, these are all different mediums for people to consume content. And if they all look totally different, they're not going to be like, oh, or they are going to be like, man, I, I, I don't know if this is from Dustin or if this is from Paul or somebody else. If you go look at uh, Robert Kiyosaki is really good at branding too. I mean, he has the purple, like the, really, really, I'm not a big fan of purple, but you could tell this is a Robert Kiyosaki book, a rich dad, poor dad book because his branding is so on point. Every single way, you know exactly what he's talking about. You know it's from him. Same thing with all my books. Literally, they're all the same shade of colors. They're the same, like I have a darker blue and a, and a lime type of green, like a bright green, um, but then also the brand uh, logo as well. My view for brands is I want it to not be a deterrent or an uh, something that deter, well, deterrent in either way. Again, just like with my realtors and property man managers, I want my brand, I want my site to have them, the people get through really quickly to the content so that they can consume that because a brand can be so fantastic, but, oh, well, I might, you know, I can go ahead and bring up one person's name. So there's a guy named Grant Cardone, big and, mm -hmm. you know, real estate, and he's written lots of books. It's a little too flashy for me. In fact, when I right. see that brand, I literally get turned off. Like if you go to his conference page, it literally has fireballs shooting out and it, it's just, I'm like, whoa, that's not for me. So my brand is an extension of me. It's not going to be Grant. It's not going to be somebody else. And so my brand, and I think everybody's brand, needs to be an extension of you. Because if you're going to do a business for longevity, let's say, you know, online business, or if you're a realtor, or if you're a property manager, investor, you're doing it for longevity, longevity literally be yourself. Because that's the only person that you can be. Be the best person of yourself. Like more, uh, let's say, if you're subdued, like you have a more introverted personality, you be that, but just a little bit more. Like just... It lean into that. I'm obviously, I may, might come across, I'm an excited type. I really just love uh, an extrovert and I love talking to people. I love sharing. And so I lean into that even more, but everything as far as branding goes, for me, it's an extension of myself. And if it deviates from that, then I rip it out because it's just, it's not me. I want people, here's another big thing. So with my podcast, I have the Master Passive Income Podcast where I literally teach, it's just me. I rarely do ever do interviews, but I teach how to do rental properties, literally just rental properties. And as I'm talking on the podcast, if somebody would rather hear somebody that's much more reserved and let's say monotone or whatever, that might be great, but I'm not that person. They're going to turn it off. Like, oh man, Dustin's personality, he's so abrasive. I'm going to turn it off. Well, that's good because I'm not wasting their time. They're not wasting my time. And the people that stay, they love it because it's like, I like this. I like the way he says it, I like how he says it, what he says. And because everything is extension of me, people that stay, like, I'll give you an example, Paul. Um, I get lots and lots. I coach a lot of people, like hundreds and hundreds of people, how to invest in real estate. And I ask them the question, how did you find me? And what got you over to me? Literally 90% of them are, I listened to your podcast. 
I listen to your podcast and I like how you said it and you, you just make it seem very simple and you, you may break it down. So I want to go work with you. I'm like, well, that's fantastic. But the people that uh, I rarely get anybody coming from, you know, my website, very rarely. Some are coming from my YouTube channel as well because I've been growing that. But long story short, if you be somebody that you're not, you put yourself at somebody's you're not, eventually that's going to falter. And people are going to realize that people, especially nowadays with social media, they can spot a phony a mile away. Like, or maybe 10 miles away, especially online. And so what you want to do is just literally be yourself and have your brand be extension of yourself. You bring up a great point. I'm just wondering with your yourself, because I noticed that you don't have, apart from your YouTube channel, you don't have a huge social media presence. Whereas you hear from a lot of people is, oh, you've got to have 20,000 Instagram <laughs> followers. You've got to have 50,000 members of a Facebook group. But you don't have that. So is that because you found the podcast and now maybe the YouTube channel is what works for you and what works for your brand and that's what attracts people to you? Or is it you hate Instagram and Facebook and you don't want to be on there? It's both. Paul, it's like literally it's okay. both of those. You're, you're absolutely right. Well, see, I, I'm not a big fan of social media in general. I understand it. I get it. I just don't want to do it. In fact, I think what it comes down to I don't think people really care that much about my life to, for me to constantly be putting, you know, this and that out in social media, but what has worked really, really well for me, the podcast has been fantastic. My books have been fantastic. My website has been, yeah, it's not bad. People find me through the website. My YouTube has been fantastic as well. So people say you need to be everywhere. I disagree with that because I don't want to be everywhere. I don't have the time. I'd rather be playing with my kids. I love golfing. I love hunting. I love fishing. I, I love doing other things. If I'm literally on my phone all day, just taking a picture, a video of me, and then posting it up, it's too consuming. I quit my job, so I didn't have to have a job. It seems like social media is a job, but what does work really, really fantastically for me is my podcast. And what's great about the podcast is people literally listen to podcasts for at least 10 minutes, maybe 15, 20 minutes. But if they go to my website, they're on it for maybe one minute. They're on it for a minute and they bounce out. They go to my YouTube, it's maybe six minutes and out. If they get my book, hopefully, I don't know how much they read, but they usually reach out to me after they read it. But my podcast, I know they're consuming 20 to 25 minutes of literally me talking, me teaching. Right. And when it comes down to like social media and stuff, no, I actually like, I get rid of people on my social media. I'm like, ah, I'd, I really literally don't care because I have other ways that people realize that, hey, Dustin's the right person for me. And I just don't want to put the time and effort in social media. And what would you say to people who recommend, uh, so an early beginner in real estate, they say, do everything yourself, do your property management. So you learn it, do your, you know, go phone 50 people and get insurance quotes or rather than go to a broker. So what? What do you say to to people? Is that is that good advice? Is that not the best advice? So, What's yeah? Your first thought of you know manage your property yourself. Horrible advice. Literally horrible. If anybody ever tells them that, I'm like, no, they don't know what they're talking about. They literally have no clue what they're talking about. Property management is so simple. There's a problem, you fix it. If the roof leaks, don't just fix the drywall. Fix the roof leaking first because it's going to cause more damage. Like why fix a drywall if it's still anyway. It's not going to be that hard. Property management is simple. It's dealing with tenants. That's very, very hard. I never wanted to deal with tenants. I don't want to get those calls. I don't want to even know my phone number because here's the big thing. 
when they're talking with me one-on-one, what it comes down to is they're basically, they have my direct information. And on top of that, I'm too close. I need somebody that's a third party, a property manager, a third party person that can actually say, you know what, this is too, uh, we don't need to do that because it's not necessary. Or, hey, yeah, sorry, your son got arrested, but that's not our fault. We still need to pay, you need still need to pay a rent. You know, I've had sub stories where I was managing a property myself and this lady kept saying, oh, my son got arrested again. I'm like, oh, okay, let's not, you know, oh, it's okay. You don't have to pay your rent. No, 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 that's, that's a wrong way to do it. In fact, that's how people stop becoming landlords, stop being landlords because they realize it's horrible doing it. So number one, being a property manager yourself is just a waste of time. It's not going to help you read a book. That's going to learn it. But you're hiring experts. That's the biggest thing. You're hiring experts to actually do the job for you. They're going to do it. Now, thinking about other things like calling insurance agents instead of like one insurance broker that does it all. I personally like to be more proactive and on, on the building of the business. I'll give you an example. Property managers, I call at least six different property managers. And if I don't find a good one or interview, call and interview, ask questions, all that sort of stuff. If I, if I don't find a good one, I call another one. And then I call another one. I keep calling because the last thing you want, Paul, is to buy an investment property. If you listen to those other people who tell you how to invest in real estate, they'll remember the process. You know, you find a property, make sure you run the numbers. You can make a little bit of money, then fix it up, then find a tenant, then find a property manager. Imagine if you did that. You got to the end where you're going to find a property manager, but you cannot find a property manager because there might not be a good one. Or everybody says, you know, that's a bad area. I'm not going to, I'm not going to manage that property. Then you're stuck with a bad property and nobody to manage it. Might as well do it the right way where you have people doing the work for you so that you can actually do it right. Now in building the business, this is the hardest part for most of my students is literally building the business where you're contacting and you're interviewing. Like if you're going to start a McDonald's, you have to interview a lot of people to put them in your business to actually work. Same thing with any successful business. You have to get the right people. The only way to get right people is to literally be interviewing. So we call insurance agents. We call insurance brokers. I would say I call them both. I like being proactive, Paul. So the difference between proactive and reactive, reactive, if you're, you know, something happens, like you eventually buy a house and you're all done, you're trying to find a property manager. Well, you're being reactive now. So your options are two. You have a bad option and a worse option because you're reactive. I love being proactive. So property managers, inspectors, realtors, wholesalers, plumbers, roofers, I'm calling lots and lots of people. This is the quote unquote hard part. It's just time consuming. But once you have that set up, literally, I don't like last, I don't know, five years, I haven't even need to do it because I already have businesses set up everywhere. And I have people sending wholesalers or realtors sending me properties and I buy it. it takes me literally one or two hours of my time of my physical time. Then I deploy everybody else to do the work. So long story short, the, definitely don't be a property manager. Don't, don't, you're, you're going to hate it and you're not going to want to do it. From that point forward, then you need to make sure you hire the right people in your business. Now, I'm guessing that it is making more sense even now, but more so now because, so I'm just thinking the, the market I'm in around Toronto, property prices are just crazy. I mean, they're just, I, I, I can't believe that people are actually cash flowing. Well, some of these properties, they might not be. But, well, and they may, and they may not be. So, but that then says, okay, I've got to go further afield. So your business model makes even more sense because you've got that business in place before you even start accumulating the the inventory. Well, and everybody needs to live somewhere, and so even though you or I might not live in a certain place, 
doesn't mean other people won't. And so you just got to get that out of your mind. Now, here's a big thing that a lot of people, when they buy a house, they put themselves into it. They say, well, I wouldn't live here, so I'm not going to buy. No, this is an inventory. Like, let's say, again, go back to the convenience store. You might buy every single candy bar, but you might not even want to taste any of them. Let's say you hate soda, but you put a soda machine inside your business because people, other people want that. We don't project, we don't want to project ourselves and our wants on other people. Same thing, even though you might not eat the candy bar, you still buy it because other people will. Same thing with a rental property. You might not want, I might not want to live in Ohio, but I have plenty of properties in Ohio. It's too cold up there. I know in Canada, it's even colder. And so I love, I live in Phoenix. I love, I wouldn't say I love the heat, but I love sun. All year long is literally sun. Right now, winter is beautiful. I'm actually having uh, a conference here in uh, in Phoenix in March. It's the best time of year. It's going to be called the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference with just a bunch of people that are teaching you how to do real estate, no sales pitch and all that sort of stuff. But long story short, it's beautiful here, but I'm not going to live in Ohio. I'm not going to live in Texas. Well, I might live in Texas. That might take that back. But like in uh, Tennessee, I'm not going to, it's way too humid over there, but people will live there. So if you had that perspective, I'm building a business, providing inventory, providing Good housing for people who want. Some people love to live in Ohio. Great. I'll provide a good property for you. A question that's just occurred to me, if real estate wasn't the vehicle, do you think you would have done the same thing, taken a business, a system and everything and found something else that had the same benefits to you? Is that? Yes, I definitely think I would have, or at least knowing the idea of passive income. So I have I have passive income. I have a river of income and I also have streams of income. My river of income is from my rental properties. Like every bit of money that I make outside of rental properties goes back into real estate because that's generational wealth. Like if you could see this on the video, you could see my kids in the background. I'm literally going to give these to my kids. Now, I do have streams of income like my brand Master Passive Income. I also have another podcast called Successfully Unemployed YouTube channel. It's just a passion project where I interview great people that have become successfully unemployed. But all these other businesses, I'm focusing on working one time and getting paid multiple times, like writing one book. And I keep like, I have four books and I keep getting paid from Amazon and everywhere else every single month, because after doing that work one time, I keep getting paid. So I will figure out other businesses, like an online business, an affiliate marketing business, like an online company that you have a brand, you teach people, like I teach people real estate. I have a resources page that has a whole bunch of affiliates. Affiliates is basically a company once again, in front of my audience, and they'll give me a little commission, 25 bucks if somebody signs up or whatever. But every year, every month, I probably make a couple thousand dollars just from my site, that one page. So all that to say, when I realized that passive income was the right way to go, I just said every business I'm creating now is literally going to be passive income, meaning, and it doesn't have to be where I only work one time and I get paid one. I can also hire people as long as I build the business, like the real estate conference that I'm telling you about um, in March um, of 2022. I'm hiring people. They're literally doing all the work. I'm doing the work once, hiring them. They're doing all the work and I'm creating another business. So I'm always thinking of systems and passive income and how can I make this where it doesn't take my time, but there are great people that want a job. I'm like, I'll gladly give you a job. I love your analogy, a river of income and then additional streams of income. That's, I've never heard that before. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. Visu visually, that just makes total sense. I, I love it. Um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, things that you do kind of outside of that. You, you mentioned your four kids and the fact that they'll um, take the, the rental properties over from you. What are you doing now? What are you putting in place for them to understand that? I love that. 
that's a, that's a fantastic question. I mean, a lot of people say the good question, but no, this is a fantastic question. I'm very intentional at having my kids not be like, you know, trust fund kids where they're literally jerks and everything like that with money, you know, silver spoon in the mouth and everything like that. So from the very beginning, I'm teaching them uh, in, in the end, I'm teaching them real estate, but even what, like my oldest is 13, my youngest is eight. And so ever since they've been born, they don't get an allowance. They don't, just because they're alive doesn't make you make money. So, or get money. And so they don't get allowance, but whenever they do, cause we homeschool, actually, I take that back. My wife does the homeschool. She has a hard, hard job of homeschooling the kids. I have the easy job of making money. And so she homeschools the kids. And whenever they finish a book that they're going through, um, they get $10 because hey, I figured, Hey, this is a job. You get 10 bucks. But what we do with them is we say, here's $10. We're going to teach you with that $10 financial literacy in a sense. So 10% goes to God. So we make sure that they understand we give. So 10% goes to our church, goes to God, 50% of the whole goes into savings. And they see on the bank account, oh, hey, we, we made 25 cents this month. That's great. I know they're, they're little. So that 25 cents is great to them. <laughs> then also 20% goes to mommy to pay for responsibilities like lights and food. So they go run to mommy. Here's 20% or here, you know, here's $2 out of the 10. And then the last $2, 20%, they get to pay for whatever they want. They could buy whatever they want. And so whenever we go to like, say a pizza place as arcade, hey, daddy, can I have a quarter? I'm like, you got money, use your own money. And they're like, oh, that's expensive. I'm like, I know it's expensive. Yeah, so now that's your own money. Now you understand. So from there, teaching them financial literacy, number one. But number two, teaching them about passive income and all the rental property business. They're learning now, little by little, I'm teaching them how to scout out areas, how to get, make sure your financing is good so you can get mortgages, How basically how to do the entire business. But in the end, I realize, my goodness, I make money in a lot of different ways. I am so much better than any college professor or anybody that can teach my kids how to make money. Like, my goodness, I might as well just have my kids stay home and I teach them. And so because of that, I'm teaching them, hey, if you're going to go to college and spend $60,000, you're not going to spend $60,000 of daddy's money. No, if you're going to go to college, you're smart enough to make money to provide for that college. What I would do, though, for you, talk to my kids, I'll give you a $60,000 loan, 0% interest. You go buy a rental property. That property is going to make you money. You pay back the loan, we could do it all over again. And then it could start your business. So all these different ways, I'm really helping my kids to hopefully not be jerks when they're old and have lots of money, but they'll be responsible. I can understand why you like Warren Buffett now, because that's, <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's what he's done, isn't it? I don't think his, any of his kids have trust funds or anything. That I think so too. Playing. Yeah, they had to build yeah. on their own. Yeah, I have heard of parents where they've gone and bought a rental property in the town that their kid is going to university. And they get the kid to manage it and rent it out to fellow students. And that's their way of paying their way through from an accommodation point of view. So that's one way. I mean, then the, then the parents get the property, which is really, really good. But I'm like, well, why don't you do it yourself? Like I have plenty of properties. I don't need this one. How about you buy one for yourself? You manage it. You re you're responsible for it and you make the profits from it. And then when you're done with college, the university, go ahead and move out and then you rent it out. Tell us a little bit about your uh, other podcast, uh, Watch and Learn podcast. How oh, did that man. happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so actually, it's funny enough, I have three podcasts. Um, I've had four total in my lifetime. But the Watch and Learn podcast, that is where my brother and I, we're 600 miles away. We never, we get to talk, but we love talking about movies. And we would go to the phone, just talk about a movie or a TV show or something we like. And in the end, we said, hey, why don't we just have fun and make a podcast? He has a podcast of his own, teaching people how to play poker. 
And so it's called the Smart Poker okay. Study. And I said, hey, we both are podcasters. Let's just jump on the call and talk about movies that we and just put it out there. So that's the Watch and Learn podcast. So yeah, Successfully Unemployed, Master Passive Income, and the Watch and Learn podcast. When I was 37 years old, I quit my job and I had so much extra time. So that's why I have so many podcasts. So somebody might ask, well, how do you have so many podcasts? Anyways, go ahead. You said you're about what you I, I was going to say the, what I liked about the Watch and Learn was that you were taking, you weren't just kind of talking about the movies, but you were likening or taking the lessons from the movies and applying that, the knowledge and life to life as well, which I thought was an interesting uh, way of going about it. I've seen Thank lots you. of or heard lots of podcasts where they talk about movies, but they tend to talk on the surface. And what I liked was you kind of lifted out the lessons from that. Oh, so. thanks. That was my brother's idea. I said, well, we got to come up with something that's different. And he goes, how about doing this? Because we all like grew up in the 80s. I grew up in the 80s. We watched lots of movies. And I'm realizing like, oh my goodness, lots of movies. Like I do that because of this movie or I say this. <laughs> Anyways, it's, it was, it's definitely a fun, fun thing to do. Cool. I have a, a couple of questions that I like to ask uh, people. You, I, you mentioned book already. You mentioned Robert Kiyosaki. So I'm guessing favorite business book or podcast Probably Rich Dad, Poor Dad would be one of them. Well, let me, let me give you quickly too. Yeah, yeah. So Rich Dad, mm -hmm. Poor Dad, that's what catapulted. Like literally, I saw that. This was before I got laid off. I saw that and I was like, wow, passive income. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad, by far, phenomenal book. Another book that I absolutely love is Richest Man in Babylon. Older book mm -hmm. written by George S. Clausen. Fictional, but teaches you so many great principles financially, how to build a business, how to be wealthy. I mean, it's a fantastic book. So those two books. Okay. What about a favorite uh, personal brand or brand and and why? Hmm. I've been trying to think of a favorite personal brand. Honestly, if you think of a big one, Coca-Cola. Like I love Coca-Cola. Um, I love drinking Coca-Cola. I grew up with Coca-Cola. So just that red and white is just so like you, you see it and you know exactly what it is. So if I'm thinking of just a, a regular brand that I like, it's just Coca-Cola and their marketing is amazing. I actually went to... Was it in Georgia? Georgia. Yeah, I think they have the Coca-Cola Museum, like their headquarters, but they also have a museum. Went through the entire thing. Super awesome, super fun, but their marketing is brilliant. And so their brand is spot on. It's an interesting story I heard about Coke, and it, it kind of relates back to your approach to real estate, which is it's a business and it's inventory. It's nothing, nothing more than that. Somebody asked one of the senior marketing people at Coke once who their main competitor was. And this was just about the time that iPhones were coming out. And um, this marketing person said texting. It was when you had to pay for texting. At least this was in the UK, yeah. where, I, where I'm from. So you used to have to pay for texting. Like It was 10 pence a text or whatever. So the competition was a kid could decide, am I going to have a Coke? Or am I going to send free texts to my friends? <laughs> so they never viewed Coca-Cola, never viewed Pepsi at that point, at that time, never viewed Pepsi as a competitor. So they viewed texting as a, so it's, so you're right. Their marketing mindset is, is different. Um, what about a favorite tool or resource that you're currently using that you're enjoying? Yeah, I, I really like, it's going to be simple. Um, because when I started investing in 2006, this was before the market crashed in 2008. And I made money, whether it went up, down, or sideways, because I invest for passive income. But in that, and I still use it all the time, everybody uses it, but email is absolutely fantastic because I get so much business done through email. Now there's other apps like Evernote. I really like Evernote as well. Um, Evernote, I just keep all my notes in there, but email's fantastic. Evernote is fantastic. 
Another thing that I actually really like is um, my my computer, my laptop. Like I do so much business through through that. But if I were to pick one, it'd be email. Because if I didn't have email, my goodness, my business would come to a screeching halt. And then Evernote to store everything together. Okay. And do you have a favorite quote? I sure do. So I don't know who said it. It might be an old Chinese proverb, but it is, when is the best time to plant a tree? Well, it was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. So you better plant that tree today because in 20 years, I'm adding on. So that, that was the end of the quote, you know, plant the tree today. But my point is, you better plant that tree right now because in 20 years, you're going to look back and say, man, I wish I would have planted 20 years before that. And then 20 years before that. So you want to plant that tree today. If it's investing in real estate, if it's building a brand, if it's whatever it might be, or even just being with your kids and being intentional about building a relationship with them, do it today. Don't put it off. We can all, it's easy to put it off, harder to implement it today. But in the end, when we look at the end, I mean, 100% of the people die. We know that everybody dies, but you can't take it with you when you die. So you need to figure out what you can do, like the end goal of everything, figure out what you need to get there and implement that today. Hmm. And that leads me to a, a kind of final question. If a, if a real estate investor is, is hearing this and they're thinking, yeah, okay, that's, you know, I want to do what Dustin's done. I want to find that freedom. I want to quit the nine to five, dump my J-O-B. What's your best advice? It would say, I would say find passive income. Like literally that's the best thing you can do. If you figure out any way, writing a song, you know, writing a book, um, whatever it is to find passive income, because what happens is once you, like when I quit my job at 37 years old, I had so much time to build more businesses. Now I literally have like four or five businesses making me money, creating another one, like the real estate uh, conference that I told you about, um, the real estate wealth builders conference. I am building that too, because I have so much time. So find passive income because that allows you more time to be with your family, travel the world, build more businesses, make more money, serve more people. Wonderful. And is that conference open to anyone? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Is. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. So we'll, we'll make sure we put the link in the, in the show notes. Oh, thank and, you. And how can people best get hold of you? And do you have anything that you'd like to to offer the listeners. Yeah. So I actually have a real estate investing course that I love just giving away for free, just so you can see if it's right for you. Like I'll show you how to find an area of the country to invest any country, like if it's Canada or America, I'll show you how to do that. Um, I'll show you how to build the business, how to make sure you're making $250 or more, whatever it is equivalent in uh, uh, Canada. Um, uh, but then also at the same time, scaling your business, if you text the word, well, it's Canada. So I don't think a text works, but yeah, it's 33777. You text the word rental. To 33777, or you can go to my website, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. All one word, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Either way, I literally just want to give it to you. Then I also have my podcast, Master Passive Income Podcast, YouTube channel, literally exact same name, Master Passive Income. It's literally like 100% me just teaching how to do this stuff. Because here's what's interesting, Paul. I can teach anyone how to invest in real estate by getting them over that hurdle in their brain to say, I can do it and I'm going to do it. That takes all the, like, I literally have to give out away so much stuff. So yeah, get all that free content. So you hopefully you can learn how to invest in real estate. That's wonderful. Great. Thank you, Dustin. And it's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you today. Thank really you, Paul. It. Thank you. Well, what did you think? Was that brandtastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business and real estate personal brand? So what's stopping you? Get to it. 
And if you're wondering where your real estate personal brand currently stands and some steps to make it more brandtastic, you can download our free real estate personal brand checklist at reibranded.com forward slash checklist. That's reibranded.com forward slash checklist. Thank you for listening and have yourself a brandtastic day.